0: They may be called the next generation, but they're the church of today. Reach, disciple, and mobilize students to share the hope of the gospel. This is Next Gen On Mission with Shane Pruitt. Hi, friends. Welcome to another episode of the Next Gen On Mission podcast. I am so thankful that you are joining us today as we talk about apologetics and the next generation, and I am uber pumped about our guest. Because he has become a dear friend to me, a dear brother in the faith, a great encourager. And it's none other than the great Lee Strobel. Uh, Lee Strobel's story is super well known. He was an atheist turned Christian. Um, His story has turned into a movie called uh, The Case for Christ. He is a multiple time New York Times bestselling author. He's been on every major network there is. Uh, He and his wife, Leslie, have been married for over 40 years. Lee, welcome to the Next Genome Mission podcast, my friend.
1: Oh, my pleasure, Shane. Love you, love what you're doing, love the passion and the, the vision for helping the next generation see the, the truth and the reality of the gospel of Christ.
0: Well, it's a true honor, man. That means the world coming from you. I'm so thankful for you. You have been such a great blessing to me. Um, and you brought me to the Colorado Christian University to speak right. and preach. So thank you for that. Love being there.
1: Well, oh, thank you. Same here. We, we, we appreciate you. And when you came and spoke at Colorado Christian University, we just had an a, a incredible reaction from the students. They loved you and appreciated your message so much.
0: Oh, well, thank you. That means the world coming from you. Uh, hey, Lee, before we get too spiritual, tell us one fun fact we need to know about you that we may not already know.
1: Oh, well, um, I'm kind of a picky eater. And I never even tried peanut butter until my 60th birthday.
0: Wow!
1: <laughs> yeah, and I hated it. <laughs> Which is good because if I had loved it, I really would have kicked myself for not eating it for six decades. But um, yeah, so that's uh, that's one of the many foods that I uh, have put off uh, trying to the last minute.
0: <laughs> I love. Well, you need to try it with grape jelly. That makes it much better.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: Lee, I always love to ask this at the very beginning of our podcast, and it's always fun to see what others have to say. But what do we need to know about the next generation?
1: Well, you know, we can we can look at research that's been done, and of course, a lot of great research has been done that talks about you know skepticism about the internet, uh, institutional church, uh, but. You know, in my personal interactions with young people, what I find is uh, still a great curiosity about God, a great um, hunger, spiritually, uh, to to find answers to real-life issues that they're facing. Um, I'm, you know, frankly encouraged. You know, we see numbers decreasing of people who are going to church and who are, you know, increasing, who say they have no uh, formal um, church um, affiliation. But nevertheless, I, I find among young people a real passion to investigate spirituality and, and to, um, to, to try to determine what's true and what isn't.
0: Absolutely. I completely agree, Lee. And I think there is a hunger amongst Gen Z, especially those that are followers of Jesus. And I think they realize that it's going to cost them something to follow Jesus. And so there's an incredible yeah. hunger that comes with that.
1: Absolutely. You know, recently um, I came across a guy uh, who said that his granddaughter had been uh, made fun of on the playground at public school because she believed in God. And the students were taunting her, saying, you believe in fairy tales, you believe in God. Um, You know, the the truth is that young people are going to be challenged in what they believe starting at a young age. And I think they want to know, what do I believe and how do I know it's true? Uh, Because they're in an increasingly uh, skeptical and even hostile culture.
0: Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And I think that's only going to become more and more common. And with that, uh, being challenged with what you believe, I've seen amongst Generation Z and the next generation, a true interest and hunger in apologetics. And when you think of apologetics, you think of Lee Strobel. Um, and so what is apologetics? I want to hear the Lee Strobel definition of what is apologetics.
1: Yeah, it's simply it comes from a Greek word, and it means uh, a defense of the faith. In other words, um, it's providing evidence for the truth of Christianity, evidence from history and science and so forth. But also, it's responding to tough questions that people have about faith. Um, you know, does a loving God, why does a loving God allow pain and suffering in the world? Why would God send people to hell? How could Jesus be the only way to God? Those kind of issues that apologetics uh, addresses. And of course, all Christians are told in 1 Peter 3.15 that we're always to be prepared to give an answer to anyone who asks us to give the reason for the hope that we have, and to do it gently and respectfully. So we're all given a mission of apologetics as Christians. And, and, you know, we talk about this next generation. It's interesting. Dave Kinnaman, of course, has done a lot of research on this, and uh, he looked at the top six reasons that young people are leaving the church. And three of those reasons are things that apologetics can address. Um, they're saying, number one, they're leaving the church because the church is not a safe place to ask questions, not a safe place to doubt, not a safe place to get answers. Secondly, uh, they believe that science is disproving Christianity. Science is pointing away from Christianity. And then third, um, they're reacting to the claim of Jesus, the exclusivity claim that he is the way, the truth, and the life, and that no one comes to the Father except through him. So those are issues that are, are, are driving young people from the church. And yet, those are all issues that apologetics is designed to address. And then at the same time, we find that a third of youth leaders. Uh, don't feel equipped to talk about the reliability of the Bible, and a majority of youth leaders don't feel ready to talk about science and faith. So we need to help equip uh, this next generation of Christian leaders to understand not just what we believe, but why we believe it, and how we can communicate that to the next generation.
0: Yeah, that is so good, Lee. I I agree completely. Those are the questions being asked. And then sometimes as leaders, we don't feel equipped. Yes. But in communicating to the next generation, what should we keep in mind while teaching apologetics to the next generation?
1: Well, I think uh, it's important to know that how we deal with questions is often every bit as important as what we say uh, about the content of the answers. In other words. Um, people uh, who are into apologetics often forget that last part of 1 Peter 3.15, which is to do this with gentleness and respect. And so um, I think it's really important in um, uh, the next generation that we ask more questions than we give answers, that we do more listening than we do talking, that we um, um, you know, respect them as people who are on a journey and, you know, the average person who comes to faith in America has heard the gospel six or seven times. Uh, this is a journey. This is a process, and that's okay. Young people who are atheists, who are doubters, um, they're not the enemy. <laughs> you know, Satan is the enemy. God loves people and, and wants to have a relationship with them forever. And so we need to respect young people for the fact that they, they have minds of their own. They have questions that need answers. And uh, when we can do that with gentleness and respect, I think we uh, we we go a long way toward reaching them,
0: yes, that is so truly. and and it's interesting. you say most non-believers have to hear the gospel six or seven, eight times before become a believer. Yes. um, I think for me, it was about six or seven. Uh, eight hundred times. Um, uh, my mom. Uh, I, I always joke, man. She was praying me to Jesus for sure. But she had that incredible passion and passion, you know, patience that you described. And um, yeah, and I and I believe with those honest questions, we need to respond in kindness and patience. And um, because I feel like sometimes when we respond in aggression to those questions, that repels people away. Absolutely. Um, Lee, with that in mind, how can apologetics be used for evangelism? Because I love what you said. You know, uh, spiritually lost people are not our enemy. That's our neighbor to love. That's our mission field. So, how can apologetics be used for evangelism?
1: Well, I think one of the most exciting developments in recent years, and this is especially useful to reach young people, is um, small group experiences for nonbelievers, uh, where we have a Christian and a, and a, a two Christians. One is a leader. One is a sort of an apprentice leading a group of, say, half a dozen non-believers, young people who have questions and doubts about the faith, and they go on a journey together. And we found, um, we started these groups when I was a leader of the church in Chicago, and pretty soon we had 1,100 non-believers in these groups. And we tracked them over time, and we found that 80% came to faith in Christ. So that's an incredible response, and, and I find that young people want to talk about these things. They, they want to discuss spiritual matters. They want to give their opinions. They don't want to be preached to, and, and you learn in these groups how not to preach to them, but how to ask good questions to help lead them toward self-discovery about God and about the truth of the Bible and their need for um, Jesus in their lives. Um, my friend Gary Poole's written a book called Seeker Small Groups, which is kind of a how-to guide and how to lead these groups. I think every youth ministry, every church, needs to have these groups um, to help reach people uh, with the gospel. I think they're they're custom-made for the next generation.
0: Wow, that is absolutely amazing. Thanks for sharing that. 80% coming to know Jesus as Lord and Savior through those efforts. I think any of us as leaders would take those returns. That's absolutely amazing. So Lee, what would you tell a leader that maybe has gotten away from sharing the faith outside the walls of the church themselves? Because we know we'll never lead ministries to do something that we're not personally doing ourselves.
1: Boy, that is so important. You know, I'm sitting here in my office in Houston, and if you were to look at my calendar, you would see on the beginning of every month, the first day of every month, I have a question for myself. I actually have two questions. The first question I ask myself every thirty days is, "How would I like to be married to me?" And uh, that that that's a that's a marriage uh, thing that helps me uh, be married now for forty seven years. That's the secret. And then, uh, but the other thing on the first day of every month is uh, who am I going to interact with this month who is not a Christian? Have I got anything on my calendar? Do I have a lunch down? Do I have a a golf uh, game down? Do I have a. Uh, any kind of planned interaction with someone who's far from God. And if I don't, then I want to get on the phone. I want to I want to uh, look at ways that I can connect with people. Uh, one of the ways that you can do that if you're a youth leader or a pastor at a church is to actually put the word out in the church and say, look, I'm going to block off every Wednesday at lunch. And if you're trying to reach a friend and they've got questions about the faith, let's schedule a lunch, and I will join you and let's have a conversation at lunch. And and what you do then is you make yourself, first, it's great modeling to say, I'm willing to take a chunk of my week and, and uh, reach out to non-believers. But secondly, while you're having that lunch, you're also modeling evangelism and apologetics for the person who invited you. So that that's a simple way that we can get back into the fray, because you're right, as we um, get into ministry, often we we lose those relationships with non-believers.
0: Yeah, that's powerful, practical steps, Lee. You know, that's why I love uh, the Who's Your One initiative uh, that you yeah. know, we do at the North American Mission Board and encourage Southern Baptists to be a part of, is who is one spiritually lost person in your life that uh, does not know Jesus, that you can pray for by name every day, invest in their life, and then at some point share the gospel of life with them, uh, Jesus Christ, Um, and once again, to see that movement take place in our ministries and churches, we must do it as leaders.
1: Absolutely. I think that's a a terrific initiative. My personal opinion is if every senior pastor in America built one loving, caring relationship with a hellbound pagan, and and you hung out with them, and you had had meals with them, and you went bowling with them, and 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 you, um, you 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 learned to love them so deeply that you say to yourself, it is not an option for my friend to go to hell. And so, not only am I going to reach out to my friend, am I going to deepen our relationship and look and pray for opportunities to share with them? But how can I change my church to reach my friend, knowing? If my friend can be reached by my church, then a whole bunch of other people just like him are going to be reached as well. I think you revolutionize the church in America by those kind of personal relationships between church leaders and people who are far from God. After all, Jesus was a friend of sinners. And in fact, he he was falsely accused of being a drunkard and and a glutton. Uh, Why? Because he was so conflated in the minds of people in that day, hanging around with the riffraff of society, that uh, they mistook him for a sinner, uh, which he wasn't. But, um, you know, he was a friend of sinners, and and he wore that um, label like a a badge of honor. And uh, we ought to, too.
0: Wow, yeah, what a powerful statement. Lead the Church to be the Church that you want it to become to reach your lost friend. That is so powerful. It really does come back to leadership, doesn't it, Lee?
1: That's right. Leaders will set the high mark for the evangelistic effectiveness of their church, whether they like it or not. Your church is probably never going to be more evangelistic collectively than you personally are in your individual life. So, you know, le- speed of the leader, speed of the team. Uh, People look to us for cues on what's important, what values we ought to invest in. And when they see us loving and caring about it, talking about our relationships with non-believers, it signals them. uh, It doesn't shame them, but it says, what am I doing? Who am I hanging out with? Who am I reaching out to? What is my one life that I'm praying for? Um, uh, It's all good.
0: Yeah, that's good, Lee. What are some cautions that you would give about apologetics? Because I know... We, we don't want to get in arguments. Mm. So what are some cautions that you would give about apologetics?
1: Yeah, you know, I think we have to be careful uh, uh, that we don't win the argument but lose the person. In other words, apologetics is not in place of evangelism. It is the handmaiden, as the ancient father said. It's the handmaiden of evangelism. All apologetics does, it's like you're driving down a highway and you know, have these little construction barriers these, uh, because of construction. It just kind of knocks those down one by one, these barriers between people and God. People have spiritual sticking points. Uh, on their journey toward God. And what apologetics does is it helps get people past those sticking points so that they can come face to face with the cross and face to face with the gospel. So we have to remember that our goal is not to win the argument, it's to win the person. And uh, we do that by, I think, um, carefully responding in a loving way. Uh, to their questions, not the ones that we want to talk about, but the ones that they want to talk about. That's why one of the techniques I use when I meet someone is I say, let me ask you a question. If you could ask God any one question and you knew he'd give you an answer right now, what would you ask him? But then I don't answer the question. That's the key. They may say, yeah, I want to know why does a loving God allow pain and suffering? I don't say, okay, well, here's a five-point answer to that question. What I ask is a follow-up question, and the follow-up question is, okay, why does a loving God allow so much pain and suffering? That is a great question. Let me ask you another question. Of all the possible questions in the universe, why would you ask God that one? Now they get personal. Now they say, because my child died in childbirth three years ago, and I want to know where God was when that happened. Or my wife has cancer, and I want to know where... And now we're getting to a real emotional issue, and now I can put my arm around their shoulder and, and, and be Jesus to them and love them as Jesus would, also along the way helping them understand there are good answers to these questions.
0: Oh, wow, that's awesome. That is super practical and gets really personal, doesn't it? I love that exchange of questions.
1: It does. It gets it down to, because so many times the questions uh, are driven by emotional issues, and we have to reach that emotional level. Too many apologists, you know, uh, Jesus was all about love and truth. Uh, Truth without love is too hard, and love without truth is too soft. We have to we have to balance the two, and I think part of that balance is understanding that a lot of people have objections to Christianity. It's because they've been hurt. It's because they have they, they've been wounded. And let's connect at that level first, and then over time, we can help them see the the uh, clarity of the evidence for the Christian faith.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I've, and I've experienced that same thing as well, Lee. Is that people are a lot more open to dialogue and conversation then we give them credit for. So good. Lee, we always close the Next Gen On Mission podcast with the same On Mission charge. The heart behind this podcast is to see the next generation realize they are the now generation. Not just the future of the church, but the church right now. They, They have a mission now, the Great Commission on their life now, to get in the game now. Would you give us one closing thought on this, one practical next step?
1: Yes, absolutely. I, I think the key I would say is don't hesitate. Jump in. The gospel still works. People are hungry. People are more interested in spiritual conversations that we give them credit for. We, we think they're not interested. We think we're going to have to force feed them things. But if you really have a conversation with someone, you'll be surprised at how willing they are to give their opinion and to ask their questions about faith. So I would say jump in take a risk. Ask that question. If, if you could ask God any one question and you knew he'd give you an answer, what would you ask? Um, that's a great discussion starting point for people. Uh, don't, don't shrink back. Don't be afraid. It's okay if they ask you tough questions and you don't have the answer. It's okay to say, wow, great question. I don't know how to answer that, but let's find an answer together. And there's so many good Christian resources out there now to help you do that.
0: Lee, so good, my brother. It's so amazing. I knew it would be I am so thankful for you. Lee, thank you so much for your time. How can people connect with you? How can they follow you on social media?
1: Sure. I am really I love Twitter, um, so I'm at, at Lee Strobel is my Twitter handle. Uh, people can go to my website, leestrobel.com. And um, also, you know we've launched this big initiative at Colorado Christian University where we're going to be offering totally accredited and totally online uh, courses on evangelism and apologetics, that um, you can get an undergraduate degree, you can get a master's degree, or you can just take some courses for your own uh, further learning. Uh, but uh, these are now available uh, through Colorado Christian University. If people want information on that, they can go to ccu.edu slash and uh, you get information on that.
0: Thank you, Lee. And friends, thank you again for listening to the Next on Mission podcast. I told you that was going to be good. Thank you for joining us. Listen, if you have any questions on reaching the next generation, please email us at evangelism at nam.net. We'll try to address those on a future podcast. Also, you heard us refer once again to Who's Your One, so be able to check out free resources and materials at com. Have a great rest of your day and tell somebody about Jesus.